Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. Happy Friday if you're listening to this on launch day. I'm Brett McGrath. I am always really excited to share the conversation with you today. I talked with Aaron from Slab Stocks. We had a chance to catch up earlier in the week and talk about the content that they're creating and the platform that's about ready to launch. And it was a really insightful conversation. I got a chance to understand his thought process and building his brand and adding value and bringing people into their audience and talking about the launch of their new platform and the intention behind it. I think it's something all of us should be interested in. And that's why I brought Aaron to the show on Stacking Slabs. From a content perspective, Slab Stocks has been one of my favorite resources as I've re-entered the hobby. I think what they put out is helpful. I've talked a lot about specific episodes on this podcast about why I like their content. I dive into specifics in the episode. So definitely go check out what they're doing. Really good dude, really good people. They are The type of um, force I would hope we all gravitate to because the intention is there and it's going to be really helpful for all of you to hit that subscribe button on what they're doing and check it out for more. Before we dive into that, let's talk about cards. I didn't get a chance to talk about this on the episode that dropped on Wednesday, but quick update. We all saw Gary V hit that Instagram feed that photo of those cards he was buying and everybody was like oh my gosh Gary V is back into cards I'm not sure if he ever was away from it but he has decided to go public with some of his findings and everyone has their own perspective and my perspective is that whenever there is market dynamics that are momentum is increasing around market dynamics it's the best opportunity we have as buyers sellers and traders of sport cards to Pay attention to what's going on around us, but most importantly, stick to your plan. And if you stick to your plan, you might identify opportunities within those market dynamics that align with your plan and it can help you out. So I think it's important to take what is being shared with a grain of salt. I personally am one that I like like all the attention on the hobby, the more the better. But just some interesting insights, right? This is a couple days post-Instagram post to auctions going live and selling for some of the cards he listed. So just some quick nuggets. I dialed into the bat channel, got my brother on the phone and said, Hey, can you do me a favor and take a look at some of these cards that he posted and give me some data to help support what's going on in the hobby. And he did that. So what we're seeing, I think after posted on Saturday, I'm recording this on Monday. There's been 17, which by the time you listen to this, there'll be even more, but there's been 17 sales of the Kevin Durant 2007 Tops base PSA 10. The low was $499. So that was um, pre-post. This was the graph was from 619. He posted on 620 to 622, which is today. The highest is $750. So you you see a $77. There's been a, actually it's 14% change over time which is crazy. Let's look at another one. So we've got, this one's pretty alarming. We've got the Beam Team Shack card, Stadium Club card. 
I agree. I think that is Shaq's best card. We have seen this through the same parameters. We've seen from $750 now to $1,275. That was six transactions. The Devin Booker PSA 10 Prism Base has moved from $250 to $431. Eight total transactions. Wow, that's just nuts. Those are just some numbers to think about. And that's just one voice can come in, post a picture, and it can just completely set the entire hobby off and those cards can raise values. That's the type of game we're playing here with the sport card market and people like Gary V are going to influence it. And so my recommendation is just be vigilant, be a student, make sure you're making your own decisions and don't necessarily do what everyone else is doing. I will advise it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to go out and buy a Devin Booker right now, PSA 10. I do like Devin Booker, and he probably was a bit undervalued, but just make your own decisions. I think people like Gary V are like more attention on the hobby, so I just am also make sure that I don't let people's decisions directly influence mine. So anyways, just wanted to bring awareness to that. Hadn't had a chance to do that this week. Definitely, let's dive into the conversation. I hope you all enjoy. Let's chat now with Aaron from Slapstocks. All right, everyone, welcome back to Stacking Slabs. I'm really excited to join everyone and bring to you another conversation. So I've talked a lot about the content that I've been consuming over the last six months of being back into the hobby. And there's a lot out there. And I often joke that I've consumed more content on the hobby than I have in my professional career. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but two things that I think stand out to me are the content that's really good is one that is carving out a specific niche. And then two, it's content that the creators, you can tell that they actually care and have a passion for what they're talking about. From my perspective, content is here to inform and not necessarily direct. But the final thing I think is just consistency and just listening to someone who's being helpful, but in they're constantly showing up in your feed, whether it's you know, an Apple podcast or YouTube channel that you subscribe to. And that's what my relationship has been with slab stocks since I have been back in the hobby. So I am excited to be joined by Aaron, who is a member of the slab stocks team. Aaron, how are you? Good. How about you, man? Thanks for having me, Brett. Very excited. Yeah, I'm doing great. I am definitely excited to learn more about slab stocks. I think when I was doing research early on and trying to figure out who I should be listening to and who's creating really good content. Slab Stocks was certainly uh, a platform that stood out to me. Um, so maybe we can start for the listeners on just the background and how Slab Stocks started. Yeah, so it's kind of been a long journey so far. If you want to go so far back, I started collecting cards back when I was 10, about to turn 22. So I've been really into cards, into sports cards, collecting, building personal collections for quite a long time, learning the market, really got into the market hard in high school, went to a couple different national card show conventions in Chicago and Cleveland, and then basically got into business school at University of Wisconsin-Madison and for college and realized that I could really do something with sports cards in terms of building a business. And this was, this was early on before all the new people started to come in which really gave gave us at Slab Stocks a leg up in the competition for sure. I think it was almost two years ago now that we started to produce content in terms of, you know, graphs and analytics. 
So we're very early to that. One of the only pages out there that was sharing sports card analytics and how the investment potential of sports cards. And the interesting thing though, is that we started primarily in Bowman Chrome prospects and the prospect autographs and evaluating prospects because one of our team members, Nate, who is the baseball guy over at Slab Stocks, he was really into prospects, just like the how I was really into cards for a long time. And come the summer of 2017, basically hit me up and was like, hey man, let's put our two brains together and start to buy some Bowman Chrome autos because he knew I was into cards. We kind of were doing, you know, I was telling him about it for a while and then he like wanted to help me and uh, use his brain with my card knowledge, put it together and do some Bowman Chrome autos. That's awesome. It just seems to me that like, that's how a lot, so many collaborative and creative partnerships happen in the hobby is people, somebody has a strength in one area and someone has a strength in the other area and then they come together and then create really great content. So it sounds like that's kind of how it started with Slab Stocks. Oh yeah. If you want to go even further back, Nate and I, I've known Nate ever since I was born. I mean, he was my neighbor across the street growing up. I think the first time I ever ran into sports cards in my life, I was probably like four years old picking through his garage sale. His family had a garage sale and he was selling some sports cards. I probably picked out all the Packer cards. We're from Wisconsin. Um, and, And that was my first interaction with sports cards. But then, yeah, basically... 2017 started back into it really hard with the actual like investing. You know, I was really into football through high school. I played football in high school. Uh, I played basketball mostly, but was really into the football cards. Then went to college, started getting these baseball prospects with Nate. And then a year from then, we started up the content game super hard. I mean, January 1, 2019, I left for Barcelona on study abroad junior year of college. And basically, I left the United States with announcing that it's going to be starting to create content super hard with Nate. So we were basically writing long blog posts about prospects and different prospect evaluation things that we were using and different, you know, really wild, like out there, like regression models that I was building mm-hmm. to try to do some prospect analysis. And that was how we kind of got our, our foothold into it was like doing something really weird that not a lot of people were thinking about. And yeah, it was a super small market at the time. Uh, the Bowman Chrome Prospect stuff. I mean, that's like a very small part of the card market, but it helped us get started. And then we basically, the next five months, we gained a bunch of followers and started expanding to all the sports and stuff. And then just kind of all topped on top of each other. I mean, Gary V flew us out to New York and that really helped get a lot of people involved on our page. And then some other things happened and basically just come out today. A lot of followers on Instagram now, um, you know, building our YouTube channel, trying to help as many people get into sports cards as we can. Our goal since the start was to make sports cards accessible um, to everyone that wanted to join. It was never about the money. It was never about any of that. Obviously, we have to help guide people in terms of what are the key key sets and key brands to look at because a lot of people coming in just aren't aware right away because it's so different than what it was maybe when they used to do it when they were younger. Now it's all about getting them involved and learning the market so they can get involved in sports cards you know, hopefully build on this hobby for a long time that they can build collections, pass down their kids or something, just get everyone involved is our plan. That's awesome. And I love to hear the Gary V story. And that's why I love talking with people doing stuff like this in the hobby. One of, it seems like you've had really nice growth across all of your channels and it always helps definitely when you're meeting a guy like him. I was actually like, obviously I think the big news this weekend is it seems like Gary V's back into cards, right? Or I don't think he probably ever gone away, but now he's putting his voice behind what he's buying. And I was actually looking 
today at some of those cards he put in the Instagram uh, picture and just trying to track where they're at. And I think one thing that stood out for me, I think there was six transactions from the Gary V's announcement, I think right when we started to record this episode on the Shaq PSA 9 Bean Team card. And it, it had gone, I think, from 750 to now 1275. So I think there's obviously those voices and those people in the hobby that are going to raise prices. Maybe before we go back into slab stocks, since you called out Gary Vee, I'm just super curious. What are your thoughts on just these influential voices and the impact that they have on the hobby and the sport card market? Well, here's the super interesting thing about us at Slab Stocks, not to you know necessarily redirect it. I'll, I'll t- touch on what you just said, but we gave up buying and selling in the markets that we report on. It was last end of July now. So it's going to be coming up on a year of not buying and selling sports cards in the market, like daily flipping, buying, selling. Like, yes, if you follow my Slab Stocks Aaron Instagram page, you will see my collection. And yes, I do buy LeBron and Giannis for my long-term collection. Giannis is my favorite player. LeBron's the best player of this generation. So I collect them. Now, I'm not selling them right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just building a long-term collection of these guys. I have a huge Christian Yelich Brewers collection. Still collect cards. But basketball, baseball, football, I haven't bought and sold in actively for now a year. So I think that sets us apart from, from the rest of the creators out there in that mm-hmm. everything that we do in terms of YouTube, in terms of Instagram posts, in terms of newsletters that we send out for stuff for people to buy, it is all to help other people buy and sell. Is nothing that we do has anything to do with stuff that we're buying or stuff I'm buying really because Nate doesn't even be, buy anything. So just stuff from my personal collection. To touch on the other guys and what goes on with that, as for Gary, I had a discussion with someone about this like two days ago. I don't think his intentions are malicious at all because mm-hmm. I don't think that he's selling these cards for a long, long time. He, right. he obviously loves sports cards. He's got a lot of money to spend, and he just loves sharing what he's buying and why. I mean, his thing is he wants to be right. He wants to prove to people he knows what he's doing. So, of course, he's going to share what he's buying so people know that they're more valuable in the future. Um, I don't think anything is malicious in terms of trying to boost the prices and sell them. I don't think that he has even sold any of his LeBrons or Giannis or now Devin Booker, any of that stuff. So in terms of that, I get why he does it. In terms of other content creators out there, honestly, I don't really have much thoughts on that. They do what they do, but right. we just like to stick we just like to stick with our rules. So really quick though, is that if you do look at my Instagram page or my eBay account, you will notice I have a ton of soccer cards on Instagram and on eBay. Basically, what happened was when when we did make that switch out of baseball, basketball, football, I wanted to decide a way to get into a different market that we're not reporting mm. on that's possibly super undervalued and that I can learn so I can transition it into part of a business model going forward. So basically, right around the National last year, I sold out all my baseball, basketball, football at the National, used that money to invest in the soccer. And I'm sure that you've seen, since you're really into cards, but over the last nine months, soccer has probably been the largest growth in terms of percent. Luca has done amazing. LeBron, Tatum, amazing. Giannis, amazing. But if you're like, I can tell you, I bought Killian Mbappe base prism 2018 World Cups for $2 a piece. I bought wow. 75 of them. And then I graded 22 of them and they're still a PSA, hopefully back soon. But I mean, the, the absolute return on that was incredible. I completely stayed away from posting anything to our Slabstock's main account, YouTube channel, any of that. So I could make sure that I learned the market didn't influence my own prices. Yes, I've sold much of it so far because my plan is to now open up Slab Stocks FC, another segment of Slab Stocks that covers soccer, the market, and the trends. So working on selling the rest of my stuff over the next month so I can do, start that up at the end of July. I love 
that. And I think that's something that as a consumer of the content that you're creating, I didn't necessarily realize or understand, but I think that is, and I'm glad you called that out in terms of what you're doing at Slab Stocks. And I think if people are making content, I always think they're doing it with good intention. Obviously some people aren't, but I think that's, that's really good clarification on what you guys are doing. And something I definitely wanted to talk about news that you guys launched last week that I think is going to be super important for me as someone who likes to buy and sell a bunch of cards on a regular basis. So maybe touch on the launch news that you guys had last week. Yeah. So this past Saturday, we just announced the launch of our platform. It's called Slab Stocks. So it's the same exact name as the company, as the brand. It's called Slab Stocks. And what it is, is basically what we're doing is creating a stock market feel Obviously, the sports car market is not exactly like the stock market. There's not, you know, automatic selling or, you know, like where you can just transition in and out of investments like crazy. But what it does is we're going to basically take eBay and we're going to aggregate it all into one dedicated sports card platform powered by eBay. Everything that appears on our marketplace appears on eBay's marketplace and everything that you list for sale on our marketplace appears on eBay's marketplace. So it's a huge plus to still be able to hit that huge audience on eBay even if they're not using slab stocks. So a lot of these places out there that are trying to, you know, do different marketplaces are all trying to start it up on their own, get their own supply, get their own demand. Really on slab stocks, you already have the supply. You already have the demand. All you need to do is just link your eBay account. It's going to be the easiest way to buy and sell sports cards ever or track your investments and track your portfolio and see how it's performing over a day, over seven days, over three weeks, whatever. Um, You can see item pages for a lot of different sports cards You can see the active listings on eBay. You can track the values over the last historical data. And you can also transact on the same page, buy, and then also list your cards. So basically, it is an all-in-one inclusive platform for sports card, buying, selling, tracking, analytics, anything you want, compare cards. It's going to be really awesome. I'm so excited for it. I mean, I know that I said this in my YouTube video that I just put out, but this is really the reason why I started Slapstock. It's evolved over time. I had no idea exactly what was going to happen, but I started it with in mind that I want to build an app that is basically what we just announced. But the difference is, is that I had in mind my whole time that I just do it on my own, get my own users, own supply, basically just another eBay. But realizing how big the eBay marketplace is and we want to leverage that and also just, you know, have it such a useful platform in terms of sales data because eBay has got the largest sales database. Mm -hmm. For sports cards, that's the way we went, and it's going to work perfect. And we're able to bring it to people for free, which is great. I love that we're making it free. I love it's going to be accessible to everyone. It's going to have cards as cheap as a dollar on there up to 50K or whatever. Like Literally anyone can use it. I love the promotion of it just being free. I'm a big fan of if you're building and creating an audience, like not trying to directly try to make money off of them, but continue to add value. And that's what you're doing is adding value through platform that I believe launches in this summer, which is is super cool. Question just on that is like at the core, based on your maybe buying and selling and your vision of what you were doing with Slab Stocks, what was like the primary reason that you felt compelled to push forward with this project? Basically, We've been brand building for two years now. I got into it knowing I had to build an audience. I had to get people to you know, interact with me. I had to help people out. And from there, I knew we could figure out how to launch the product. I knew I wanted to do this because I knew that it would make buying and selling easy and tracking your investments easy. I always hated that I had to go 
and type in every single different item. And then you don't even know what you're going to see on that, on that eBay search because of all the different keywords. Now, because of that, it is going to be difficult to necessarily be hundred percent accurate in the aggregation from eBay to our platform. There is going to be some errant listings There will be some errant sales, but you know, we'll be on top of that. We'll have a maintenance team. We'll have a flag button on the listings um, on this, on the item pages, if there is errant data or errant listings. So we'll make sure we're on top of that to keep it cleaned up. But basically the whole reason why I started this was because going through middle school, going through high school, I never had any friends that were into sports cards. I didn't have any. I was doing it all on my own, all through online stuff, going to shows with my dad and my mom. And I just wanted to make it seem like that sports cards weren't this like kid thing. Like, of course, we do want kids involved, but we don't want people to think that it's only a kid thing. We want them to know that it's a real thing that people buy and sell daily, make lots of money on, and also just love to do it. And I was always, you know, nervous going through high school thinking that people would think I'm weird for doing sports cards. But so I just want to make it accessible to everyone and make it, you know, real and normal. And I think that's already become that before I even launched this platform, which has definitely helped a lot in terms of growth is that over the last year, it has became this very normal, very cool thing. So that helps a ton. <laughs> totally. No, that's, I appreciate you sharing the story and that gives everybody context on why you're doing what you're doing. Maybe let's shift over. You talked about Giannis and LeBron. And I think one of the things I've been talking a lot about on my show and just hearing from other people are just the different persona types that exist within you know, the sport card hobby and market right now and how I believe that we all need to coexist because we all need to work together because at the center of it, there's transactions and those transactions are cards. The intention of those people might be different, whether it's the collector, whether it's the investor or whether it's the flipper, right? Or people like me, maybe we're doing all three. I think from what's your perspective on just those different three persona types and how you interact with them just on your digital channels and maybe the expectations they might have as they and what you're trying to build and facilitate with the uh, new platform that you guys are building and launching. Yeah. So definitely like one of the biggest debates in the hobby in the industry today is like collector or investor, like, which are you, you have to be one or the other, which I think is utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this since I was 10 started collecting got into investing in high school, really got into investing in college. And then I've collected this entire time. I have cards from when I was 10. I've built my entire, like, I'd say I built like most of my life around this hobby. Like it, all my memories come from ripping packs. I can tell you on my 13th or 14th birthday, I opened a pack of 2013 Topps Chrome. And I was a huge Packers fan back in middle school and high school. I'm still a huge Packers fan. You see the helmets in the videos, but more so than I am now. And I pulled out an Eddie Lacy Topps Chrome Gold Refractor Auto, number dot 10. This was when he won Rookie of the Year and when Topps Chrome was the biggest thing for football. And I offered $800 a day. I pulled it and I turned it down. And I still, I don't have the card today. I sold it before he just fell off the map. But it's just like stories like that is what keeps me remembering why I'm doing this. Even if our entire company is hinged mostly on people that are looking to make money in it. However, I really, really, really believe that if you're in this and you're making money, you do become tied to the hobby, even if it's not your intention getting into it. I mean, I can't speak necessarily for others because I I did get into it first as a collector. So it's very easy for me to always be able to do both. I mean, to use funds from what I'm flipping in soccer to add a huge Giannis for my collection, a huge Mm. LeBron. But I really feel like that people who get ingrained into it 
and maybe it is through these social media connections that really help start to understand that this is more than just making money. You start to build collections. You start to not want to sell stuff. I have boxes of Kesson here and Christian Yelich stuff. I flipped some Christian Yelich Marlins cards to fund my entire Brewers Christian Yelich collection, which I haven't really seen too many others Brewers Yelich collections out there. But I do feel like I have one of the best ones out there, which is awesome. But I think that there is a place for everyone. And I really wish that some of those people that are so on either side of the coin. And really what I mostly see is that the old collectors who don't really want to get into the new stuff, they're like really have like a grudge against the new, the new investors getting in, making everything more expensive because there's more demand, more eyeballs, more people are spending money. Every single time someone new gets into the hobby, into the industry, more money gets added to the field because when they buy something, the people that sell it, go take the money and spend it on something else. It's just a, you know, a, a domino effect to build up the hobby in the industry. Everything is at least accessible in the fact that you can still go and buy cards for your collection if you're a collector. You can still go and find, I could go and find cheap Giannis up the wazoo. It's not going to be the same exact cheap Giannis I could find two years ago or three years ago, but there's still stuff out there. And I think in terms of making the hobby and the industry just something that is well-known nationwide, this is the way that it's got to go. Um, You can still have those card shops, you know, that, that support local people. Like here's the thing though, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Cause I was just thinking about this the other day is yeah. that I do think that Panini needs to start to incorporate something that keeps local card shops, you know, really small ones around more and keeps stock at these targets and Walmarts that is for kids, like cheap stuff. Mm-hmm. I know it's very difficult to do because hoops was supposed to be that, these really small brands were supposed to be that. And then everything else just gets sold out and priced up so quickly, the smaller stuff follows. I don't know ex- what the exact plan is, but we do have to do a way, something to make sure that we can get kids into the hobby through buying packs at Target. Because if you go to a Target now, there's pretty much not a single NBA pack in stock. I found, um, I think, getting back into the hobby this year, literally going to probably three Targets, three Walmarts every week for like 10 weeks, I found optic once and that was it yeah probably 100 visits optic once i mean most of my memories also as a kid came from biking to target that was next to my house and going and buying retail packs of 2012 prism we're talking about one of the biggest basketball sets of all time now and i was able to go there and buy two dollar packs of prism i probably bought like 40 or 50 in total over like a couple months as an eighth grade and like that's the stuff that you know brings me the memories but Kids now, how are they going to build memories on these sets if they can't even get access to it? You know what? They're not sitting on eBay going and buying singles for it. So they have to have something to get involved. Totally. And I think that's the powerful thing about just people in their 30s and 40s like myself that are getting back into it, right? There's the business side where you can invest and you can make money off of it, which is exciting. But then you can't forget the nostalgic piece of why we got into the hobby in the first place. And that's rip and pack. So I think I agree with you 100% year or two kind of fix this problem. I think as the market is exploding, we're identifying um, all of these types of problems that exist. Thinking about that now and hearing that, hopefully that conversations like this get people to think that that is a need. I'm sure they already know. But one thing that you touched on that I'd like to just mention is that you are the cards that you are selling, right? You are putting the, that money right back into the hobby and you are buying cards to help your own personal collection. And I think like that's, I, 
I'm, I'm selling right now. I'm in a sales period, but, and I like to talk about why I'm selling and what I'm selling, but I sold, I think it was a last week, a Donovan Mitchell PSA 10 prism that I bought in March for $75. I sold it last week for 175, which was a nice return. I'm not taking that money and I'm not going and spending it on house projects or whatever. I'm taking that money and going and buying, putting that towards a LeBron uh, PSA 10 silver prism from this year in his Lakers uniform, because I want that card. So I think that is important for people to understand who might be collectors who have been in the hobby for 30 years, that a lot of these in this investment title are people that are trying to make money to fund their hobby habits and their own personal collection. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I flipped a ton of Killian Mbappe soccer cards I think I was into them for four hundred dollars uh, to start, and basically turned that four hundred dollars into LeBron nine five tops Chrome Refractor rookie from two thousand three, and it's the best card I have. But wow. it, it like that took me since last August, August till May. I want to say to get it. I mean that was a super short time period. Normally it doesn't happen like that. I got very lucky going to soccer last August. But yeah, I mean exactly that. I sold it and I put it right back into the hobby, and many people. Are doing it, you know. I'm 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 probably one of the the smallest personal buyers and sellers of cards because obviously our entire business is built on helping others do it. But in terms of my collection, I'm minuscule compared to people out there. Then you think of what they're doing, and that's how the hobby's growing so much. Definitely, and I just one of the pieces of content that you created is one of the my favorite pieces of content since I've been back in the hobby, and just want to get your perspective on what you went through to create that. But you're episode on investing 101 which nba sport card investment and brands and parallels you should target that to me was like one of the most helpful pieces and as i was getting back understanding like from a prism from a optic from a select understanding those products understanding what means what i had been digging in i've been creating sheets and i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do the work and i'm gonna create an episode on this because i know people like me need something like this. And then sure enough, slab stocks hit my feed and you basically broke it down. I've listened to it like three or four times because there's things that I'm still learning from that. This is such a complex topic and there's so many layers to it. Maybe like, first of all, everyone who's listening, go listen to that episode. I'll put it in the show notes. You got to listen to that. But like what went into that from your perspective on creating that episode and sharing it out because I know there's a lot to unpack on that topic. Yeah. So in terms of like what I put into to do research for it, it's honestly just, just years of picking up tidbits of different parallels when they start, you know, which ones get the most demand, just many, many, many hours of research that's been put in over the years, which is why it was definitely one of the hardest episodes to shoot in terms of like delivering it, but not in terms of coming up with the info. However, I can't believe how crazy that video went, by the way. That's def- it's our most viewed video by like three times, I think. Like, wow. But I, I know why, because obviously it's, it's a big question that people have coming into the industry. It's There's all these parallels out there. What the heck do I do? Where do I start? And I even got some texts from one of my buddies that's you know been in the cards for a little bit now recently, starting to get more into the, the newer stuff, 2019 Prism. And he's like, oh, how about these red, white, and blues? And how about these, you know all this other pink ice and red ice. And I'm like, no, dude, ignore, ignore that stuff. And so even someone that's been in the hobby even had those questions. So I knew that, and our team knew, our team is really what pushed me to do it because they know that I could deliver it. 
like, hey, you really got to get out there and give a give a one on one video on this. So we started up the one on one series, and it was the first video. And basically, the way I went into creating what actually you know were the parallels in the video, it's just like, okay, what has the most demand over time? I'm not looking at something that that is worth money. I'm thinking about stuff that goes up in value. Red, you know, red, white, and blue, pink eyes, red eyes. That stuff has has value. I mean, pink eyes, Prism Luca, PSA ten is what like. 1.8k. I'm just going off the top of my head from a couple of weeks mm. ago, maybe, but it has value. But what goes up in value over time, you know, quicker? Now, I'm not trying to say that you can't make money on that card because you definitely can. It's just where's your money better spent? That was my term mindset making the video. It's not what is worth money and what can you make money on. It's where's your money best spent? And it is in the parallels that have longevity. So in 2012 Prism, there was green and silver, and then gold. So those three parallels definitely included. Then I went with the numbered parallels from hobby boxes for Prism. I think that the hobby box configuration for Prism is just by far the best. First off, the line is part of a hobby extension, so it counts too. But in terms of like what sticks year over year, hobby by far. Fast break, ignore it. Choice, ignore it. All that random stuff, don't even think about it. If you're just trying to make it easy to understand and where you can start, that is by far the best way to buy silvers, Hypers because those are super rare and are in hobby boxes. And there's been is Starburst in 2016 or something, but it's hyper now. And then green, and then all those hobby number parallels that should increase over time. They're scarce. They're the most desired. You know, just consolidating your money to that, you'll do well if you pick the right players, of course. Yeah, I think I listened to it several times because I wanted to make sure I got my own personal takeaways from that. And what you just hit with the punchline on silvers and hypers was what i immediately took out of that and like i was going there's so many variations there's so many shiny objects but i think if you're listening to this go listen to that episode because it will give you a wonderful breakdown on how to direct some of your activities so you're just not in that ebay wormhole where you're just spinning your wheels and buying cards because they look cool so I think that was uh, super helpful and definitely appreciated that. Uh, maybe as we round kind of the corner at the end of this episode is what are some of your, just for listeners, go, let's say, let's take NBA. What are some of the kind of long-term, mid-term and short-term guys that you think that work card collectors and investors should be thinking about now? And it could be playoff driven if the playoffs happen. It could be maybe starting next season, but what are your perspective on some players that, from a short, mid, and long-term perspective, people should start taking note of. Yeah, the interesting thing about the sports car market now versus in the past. So in the past, I always looked at it as base investments off of who's going to perform in the time period coming up. Because in the past, is really like not many people were getting added to the hobby. Performance was driving the values. They had to do something different to either improve their legacy, like LeBron would have win another championship, or something to really see a value boost. Now, it's just plain demand curves. It's learning where people want to spend their money. It's learning which players are people are going to think are going to be great long-term. So breaking down into short, mid-term, and long-term, I really feel like anyone that you buy for short-term could fit long-term. Anyone you buy for mm-hmm. long-term could fit short-term because of how the demand changes so much. In the past, it was totally. not the same case. I will bring up an example now that I think is closest to the past. So Michael Porter Jr. Love like Michael Porter Jr. at Slabstock. Sam has Sam is our basketball host on YouTube. Sam Dunks. I uh, got him involved early 2020 in the channel. 
he's great at what he does, breaking down different basketball players. He gave a huge show on Michael Porter Jr., among other players. And the thing about MPJ is that his value has went up over the last two weeks because all these cards have went up over the past two weeks. But if we were looking at it in terms of like short-term versus long-term, I'm looking at MPJ, like you're spending money today to get big returns in a year or big returns in six months when next season comes. He's not going to necessarily get the minutes that his value is commanding right now in this year's NBA restart. He could. He could have one game where he gets like 20 minutes and puts up 18 points, six rebounds, four assists, two blocks or something. His prices will go even higher. However, that's, you know, it's a risk. But if you're looking at as a long-term spend and have that in mind, your expectations aren't I'm going to make money in a month, even though people have because of the demand. It's that in a year I can spend that money and make more. Totally. Um, in terms of like, yep, go ahead. Question on MPJ. How do you factor in some things that like big items like his back and injuries he sustained when you're thinking about investing in a player like him for the long term? All right. Now, this is a great question because for the longest time, we waited on MPJ. When he was cheap, we waited. We were not really you know, directing people in our newsletter to go buy him. There's a lot of risk. We like to mitigate risk as best as possible. However, the second half of this season um, in 2020, he really showed that you know injury is kind of behind him. It's not like that he's out there, you know, playing in turn and like to not get injured is what we saw. And then he's also getting minutes as people were other people were getting injured, so he's able to to do the minutes. We finally feel like that there's not this you know looming back injury over him. I'm not saying it can't come back. Any injury can come back and it can plague a player's career. There probably is a bit more risk in terms of injury for him than other players. But think about it. Anyone can get injured at any time. Right. So really, what are we doing here if he's getting consistent minutes now and any other player can sprain their ankle at any time like Luka? If MPJ got the same amount of minutes as Luka because they're t- the Nuggets were worse, let's say, you know, Luka might have missed more games in the last at, towards the end of the season with the ankle injury. So really anyone can get injured. But yeah, I mean, for the longest time, we did have people stay away because we were worried about the risk. And then we saw that it's kind of opening up. So this is a time to go in. We started probably including the newsletters maybe at the start of 2020, February. So, I mean, people have made great money on that for sure. So, But it wasn't as soon as like last year. Like last year, we were really big on just put your money in Luca, Trey, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Shea. It was like those four guys, anyone else, don't spend the money on because these four dudes are going to go off. And they they have. Wow. Yeah, that's good context. Picturing the Michael Porter Jr. and Luca, as you were describing that, I just pictured them swapping places and being on those different teams and what that would look like. Um, That got my wheel spinning a little bit. But I think just for listeners, if what Aaron just broke down and his mindset just on a player like Michael Porter Jr. is definitely how the Slab Stocks team talks about players investment opportunities so if you want more of that definitely go check out their stuff before i let you go i have to ask you because i know you're a wisconsin guy and i'm a Colts season ticket holder what can i expect as a colts fan out of jonathan taylor oh my gosh you just gave me chills bringing up his name i've watched him for years at college now jt i was so pumped when he went to the colts i know you guys got a beast o-line JT is the hardest worker, and I cannot wait to watch him in a Colts uniform. I texted my friends. I was like, hey, if he gets the carries, he's putting on 1,500 yards this year. I mean, he's a touchdown machine, too. So you should definitely be excited. In my opinion, it was ridiculous that he fell out of the first round and wasn't rated the number one running back. I think that's ludicrous for people to think just because (laughs) of the the workload in college. I don't care about that. He's going to do great things. I can't wait. I love it. Yeah, I think we're very, very optimistic. And 
I think it might be just one season of this, but you got a, a guy like a Marlon Mack and a guy like a Jonathan Taylor in front of that line. I'm expecting a lot of running the ball, which I'm completely okay with. So everybody who talks about Jonathan Taylor, I haven't talked to anybody who's a direct badger, but everyone is excited. So I guess just question, quick question on that. I know cards and NFL, it's all QB driven, but do you have any perspective on seeing other types of positions, wide receiver, running back or tight end gaining value as more people are entering the hobby? Yeah. So I think a lot of people will look at our page and know that football is the smallest portion. I mean, you look at YouTube videos, you look at Instagram posts, we'll maybe have a football post like once every three or four weeks, um, especially in the off season right now, of course, you know, during the season when players are going up in value a little bit different, but we preach quarterbacks. If you're buying football, go quarterbacks, highest potential, lowest, well, I mean, some risk there for sure. Actually more risk in football than any other sport. I'm talking about compared to running backs and wide receivers. I did see an interesting tweet though yesterday that was like, with all the new people coming into the hobby, do running backs and wide receivers, you know, explode in value because they can't, they'd rather have a Tyreek Hill rookie card than a Matthew Stafford rookie card or something because they just like the players and they don't really have that predisposition about football investing, which is that quarterbacks drive it. I will say this. I would not be surprised if really popular running backs and wide receivers gain a lot of value this upcoming football season. Not saying it's going to happen. I would not recommend going and buying a ton of running backs and wide receivers. I just think that it, it could possibly happen because of what you just brought up. That is lower investment entry, all that stuff. It really is kind of a correlation of soccer, how people didn't really like soccer because it's just not a huge American sport, but it happened. You know, lots of demand came. People found it as undervalued, as way cheaper, and now it's huge. So could happen. And I will say this, you could already make money in running backs and wide receivers if they have huge games. But from after those huge games, those values drop super fast. So it's a completely dangerous game to play. I'm not saying you can make a ton of money because it's very risky, but there's a chance that they could become more valuable. They're really popular ones. I'm thinking like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's like huge in the gaming world too, and huge in the YouTube creation world, those type of guys. I love that. I love that. This has been so much fun, Aaron. I appreciate you being on the show. I know maybe definitely want to plug. I saw this on Instagram, I think, this morning. You're doing a a giveaway, right, for uh, people that are signing up on your platform. You want to talk about that? Yep. I was just going to bring that up. We are giving away a Zion Williamson 2019 Prism Rookie BGS 9.5. All you have to do is go to slabstocks.com slash slabstocks. You scroll down the page, and there's a pre-registration email address, a little form sign up that you do, and then you just got to click the box that says, I want to receive information on Slabstocks platform. And then you're good to go. You're entering into the giveaway. Um, but yeah, really excited for the platform. If you're out there and any of that piqued your interest, please go pre-register on the website. I've got a lot of pre-registration so far. A lot of people are really excited. You know, a lot of great comments on Instagram and YouTube. So we're, we're thrilled. It's my dream to do this, to bring this platform to life. And my team helped me and we're really excited. Awesome stuff. We'll definitely put all those links in the show notes. Everyone go check what Slab Stocks is doing out. Very, very helpful. I'm excited for the platform to launch. And definitely when it does launch and people are buying and selling through Slab Stocks, we'll have to get you back on to uh, talk about what you're seeing and what you're learning. For sure, man. I'd love to be back. This was a pleasure. Thank you. Yes. Take it easy. And we'll talk to you again real soon. I hope you enjoyed that. Aaron, definitely a very insightful dude. And you can hear the passion in his voice. 
just a really cool story about someone who's young and hungry and making it happy in the sport card hobby. Definitely go out and check out Slab Stocks. Go sign up for notifications, their newsletter on more information on when they launch. Definitely get a chance to go enter that Zion giveaway. All you have to do is go to their website and put in your email address and fill out your name. And there you go to enter and you can figure out when the marketplace opens. Uh, definitely, if you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button. Can I can I ask you? Can can I get you to put that five star review? Need some more reviews? Please hit that review if you like what you heard. Um, definitely, most importantly, everyone be safe out there. Happy investing, happy collecting. Take it easy. <laughs>